You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Web Podcast. I am your host, Rob Osell. I'm an architect at this.labs, and today I am excited to be talking about development in the cloud and the future of the modern workspace uh, with our friends from Gitpod. Uh, so joining us today is uh, Mike Nicholas, who's a developer advocate at Gitpod. Mike, how are you doing? Hi, very well. Thanks for having me. And we also have uh, Jeff Huntley from uh, another developer advocate from Gitpod. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing lovely. Um, I've got my van. It's in the workshop. Um, almost finished construction. Hopefully I'm on the road in about three or four weeks' time. Awesome. All right. Well, before we jump into this topic, we are going to thank our sponsor for today's episode, and that is Harmon. The Harmon Ignite Store Developers Portal is a developer hub dedicated to the Android automotive developer community. The portal provides developers the toolkits and APIs they need to create apps that influence the future of the in-vehicle experience. Check them out via HTTPS ignitedevelopers.harmon.com. And Jeff, I don't know, maybe that's something you need to get set up into your van. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> why don't we jump into things and talk about Gitpod, you know, to sort of set the stage and, and kind of um, get people sort of familiar with what we're going to be talking about today. Could um, either of you or both of you kind of give us a little bit of an introduction to what Gitpod is, kind of what problems setting out to solve and kind of how it works a little bit? Yeah, I'll get started. Jeff can jump in on, on how he works uh, with Gitpod afterwards. So basically, think of Gitpod as your developer environment in the cloud that you access through a browser. Now, one thing to uh, keep in mind is that in your local development environment, it's something that you curate over time and you take really good care of it. You get really attached to it and you become best friends over time. Now, the way it works with Gitpod is that you basically just automate your environment and you say, uh, you tell Gitpod what to do and how to spin it up, how to compile your project and all that. And then you use a new environment for each task that you work on, whether that's a pull request review, a new feature, whatever you do, it's always a new environment uh, from scratch. And um, I'm sure Jeff can jump in and, and kind of say how, how, he, uh, how he does that, uh, how he uses it on a day-to-day basis. But at a higher level, that's what Gitpod does for you. Yeah, sure, Mike. So um, when we say an environment, uh, essentially what we're talking about is essentially a cloud terminal in the sky, right? It's, it's, a, it's a computer, it's a workstation in the sky. Um, we provide a terminal and a, we overload, overlay VS Code um, into the terminal, um, but you don't have to use VS Code. You can use whatever you like um, and you can do whatever you like. It's not like it's a small little sandbox. Like we've got people running Kubernetes clusters. I've got a repository that's running Doom um, and operating systems. And there's some stuff coming up soon I'm doing with the embedded industry uh, where they're doing CPU development um, in Gitpod. So uh, me, uh, I do all my software development on an iPad. It's like wild, huh? Like I don't even have local software development tools on my machine. I remember a couple weeks back, I had a, a interview similar to this and I formatted my uh, my actual laptop like like hours before I was meant to get on and do a demonstration about Gitpod, and it, it just didn't matter because if I had a web browser, I could do my job. Like like that is 
it's completely completely different. Uh, so it has whole, all these benefits. Like I did a uh, blog post a couple of weeks back. We could probably drop it in the show notes. But essentially, 25 years ago, I accidentally uh, formatted my computer because someone told me to format my computer uh, in ISC. And I drew this 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 narrative is like from a security point of view. When you're doing uh, software development, we're doing it software development without sandboxes. And the end result of this is uh, like nearly every software developer is one bad command or one bad NPM package away from having a complete workstation compromised. And because with, with Gitpod, all the software development is happening in a sandbox. And every time you do a new task, such as uh, you're working on a branch or reviewing a pull request or what else have you, it's all, each one is a new sandbox. So if, if there was a, an action where it's compromised, uh, then it, it's, it's all contained. Um, Gitpod, uh, like many companies, uh, was using UA uh, PARs transitively. Uh, and we went back and we looked at our security. Uh, we looked at like usage and we, we weren't using the, the actual particular version. So that was sweet, but we still, we rotated all our uh, uh, developer credentials on all our engineers. And uh, because we're all doing software development, essentially using thin clients, uh, any such a breach, if we were affected, was all contained. Uh, it's, so it's, it's amazing. I'm happy to answer any questions about iPad, software development. Um, Mike uh, talks all the time about the benefits of PMPM but he also at the same time says that he doesn't need to use PMPM because his development's all happening in the Google data center. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny too, because I think a lot of development teams encounter this a lot. I know I'm encountering it a lot right now, which is that I remember that when I came into web development, I, I came with my Windows laptop. And I, I remember I was, it was sort of a web mobile shop. And the first week they were like laughing at me. I was like, what? I've literally used Windows my entire life. What's wrong? And they're like, oh, come on. No developer uses Windows, not for you know web development, mobile development. So I, I ended up getting a Mac. Well, people work on teams with people that are on many different platforms, whether it be Linux, Windows, Mac. And so even just the promise of taking that variable away is a huge productivity add for teams. I mean, let alone just being able to do it from any web browser enabled uh, uh, device. So, I mean, that alone, I think, is exciting for any teams that have a variety of technology that, they're, that their teams happen to be using. Yeah, I think that there's a, another aspect. Like so far, we talked about individuals getting all these benefits and, you know, productivity boosts. But think about a team of, you know, maybe five, maybe 500 developers. All of a sudden, you're onboarding to the project is a click on a button to start an environment that is already automated that gets used you know many many times a day so rather than spending the first week of your of your new job making sure that you have the right version of, of everything installed only to find out that by wednesday the actual documentation that you follow is completely outdated and you know you don't have to you don't have any of that you're contributing md is basically non-existent or just a button to start the Gitpod workspace. So that, that's really a, a major shift of how we develop going forward. Well, that's exactly it. It's about taking your contributing.md. If you're an open source project, uh, you always want to have open source uh, contributors come help you with your project. 
what we're talking is taking about is taking the convention of the contributing.md and just turning that into a Docker file, right? At its core, what Gitpod is 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 uh, running Docker files, right? All your software development is in a sandbox as a Docker file, and we host and run your Docker file. We overlay the Git repository on top, give you either a terminal or uh, VS Code or both, your choice of tools that you use. We've got some stuff coming down the pipeworks right now, a private beta for JetBrains tooling. So it's it's really up to you how you want to work. But uh, the, the idea of taking your contributing guide as an open source project and turning it into a Docker file is what we're talking about here. Uh, it's, it's CICD for your development environment. Uh, and so it's all ready to go and ready to contribute. So I, myself, it, it's kind of like Nirvana. I hop between so many different open source projects, helping these maintainers out on a daily basis. And I don't, I've, I haven't typed the, the, the verb git clone now uh, since I've joined the company. What, what about you, Mike? Yeah, I, I actually realized just a few days ago that I don't have an SSH key configured on GitHub. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, I, I don't need one because Gitbot takes care of that for me and uses my OAuth credentials to download the code onto the, the workspace. And I got this little message there on the uh, on the GitHub UI saying that, you know, learn more how to configure a SSH key. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't need that anymore, but thanks so much. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people... Um maybe think about their development environment as being like, that's them, that's their personality, and they bring code into that environment. And I think one of the things that maybe can simultaneously feel very uh, obvious and necessary about the approach that y'all are taking at Gitpod, but maybe also revolutionary and a little unusual, is that the environment goes into the code, that the code becomes the place and, and kind of with these Gitpod YAML files and such, it kind of gets incorporated into the code base. I think that makes a ton of sense for teams, but I'm kind of curious about the trade-off for the open source projects. Um, how do you guys, like, how did y'all arrive at that trade-off and kind of where uh, is sort of the pitch for, you know, why these environment configs should belong maybe in these code repositories? So uh, for context, um, I'm also the creator of noyaml.com. Uh, and YAML is not a friend of mine. Uh, it's not a bad website if you go look at it. So I will be very happy when all YAML and all configuration metadata is no longer required. Uh, so uh, I, I'm always looking at that if we're looking at expanding the scope of configuration, like, hey, like that's, that's a bar for adoption. So to be clear, uh, Gitpod does not need a YAML file to be in the repository. And this is especially true for web-based projects. So what we do is when you create a uh, workspace uh, by opening uh, a project in Gitpod, uh, Mike will go into the specifics of how that all works, of how you open a project into Gitpod, but uh, we provide a default image, a default Docker file, and that's got all the programming languages installed. And the end result is you can just get up and go. Uh, alternatively, you can provide a Docker file uh, and specify uh, the contents for the repository. But like uh, Mike, um, you went into a local uh, Jane versus, uh, Jane, um, uh, local development versus remote development. Like, can you work us through the workflow that you normally use? 
Can sure do. Yeah, I think the, the the key thing here is that, as I as I kind of mentioned at the beginning, that that one environment per task, or or one one computer per task, whatever you want to call it, that that really is the, the the major change here. So that you know, if somebody I'm working on a feature, and then somebody pings me and says like, "Hey, I've got this PR. It's a production hotfix that needs to get reviewed and merged." In, in my old environment where I was working on my local computer, I would either have a second folder where I had a Git clone of my, of my repository, or I would kind of like stash my changes, switch to another branch and whatnot. Now, this is all, you know, more or less good. But if you have all of a sudden a different dependency that you need, I need to nuke my node modules, get that all installed again. With Git, but I, I have a new environment completely isolated. I reviewed that PR. I close the browser tab and I'm back in my environment where I'm doing my feature development. That that kind of like parallel work uh, in uh, space that that I can do multiple things at the same time or you know in very short sequence. Um, that that really makes things easier. And as as Jeff kind of hinted at, we we don't need the YAML file anymore. This was a hard requirement uh, up until a few weeks ago. Now, if you go to gitpod.io/new. Uh, you get a little UI where you can configure, still in the YAML syntax for now, but at least you can configure your project uh, in the browser window and we store that in the database instead of adding it to the uh, repo. A, a reason why you would want to add it to the repo though is that you get a version control for your environment. So if all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore, you can go look at the history of the Gitbot YAML file or the accompanying Docker file and see what changed when and what may have you know caused that issue and then revert to change or fix it. Well, one and to give you know YAML its due, or at least the config file its due, uh, one of the things that I had seen that was kind of interesting is you know, some projects are tough to spin up. Maybe you gotta bring up a, a backend in local mode and then spin up a product and maybe kick off a build and then incorporate the build into a secondary process or any number of other proprietary steps. And it was pretty cool in the way that it lets you set up multiple terminal windows if you needed to, multiple steps for each terminal window. I didn't get all the way into the differences for the, each. They have life cycle methods, so things that might happen once versus maybe things that are repeatable. I, uh, we don't have to go into a full how-to on all that, but uh, I mean, I, I think maybe you can speak to kind of that part of it, which I think would be enticing to some teams that it doesn't need it to just run via NPM run. It doesn't just need that one command that does it all. Uh, it does seem to allow you to make some pretty complex. I don't know if you guys have examples of the craziest configs you've ever helped somebody set up or that you've seen, but um, I, I was pretty impressed by what it, the configs would let you do. Yeah, sure. So um, we keep talking about these workspaces and we say opening Gitpod. Uh, well, to be clear, to open in Gitpod, what you do is you just go gitpod.io, hashtag the full repository, of uh, the Git uh, repository, that's either Bitbucket, uh, GitLab, or GitHub, and that's how you open in Gitpod. Uh, and we have extensions uh, that you can plug in or browser bookmarks, and that's all they do. They just prefix the Git URL, and that Git URL could be like reviewing the pull request, and that's how you hop between all these tasks and contexts. So, uh, Git to answer particularly. Uh, Gitpod's just a cloud terminal in the sky. It's it's uh, it's a, an ephemeral sandbox cloud terminal in the sky. Uh, so uh, a really common use case is uh, not just soft, software development teams, but in the the field of workshops 
right? How many times you've been wanting to learn something, but you can't because you don't have the right device or the setup is really complicated. So there's a uh, company, Datastacks, who, uh, who specialize in with databases. Right. And so they actually have a, a, a setup where you actually go into their product when you want to learn about data stacks and you click on a button and it goes like opening Gitpod, and that actually spins up the database uh, using Docker Compose. And from there, it's just, it's Docker Compose. It's just like you're using on your local computer and they're able to deliver a workshop anywhere from any device to anyone. And uh, it's, you can do something as simple as just you know, in like a, a single uh, like Tmux type session where you've got a single terminal, or you can do things like what Datastax is doing and you can just scaffold up an entire infrastructure um, and then just like do your front end development and do uh, loop that back um, because you can configure to expose ports uh, publicly uh, or privately. Uh, and it's just, same as you'd be doing development normally with front end with back end. It's up to you of how uh, complicated you want to go. That point about the workshops is amazing because I've volunteered at uh, one day uh, like workshops, especially for people that are just getting into development. And it feels like most of what the, the, the volunteers are there to do is to figure out why node won't install or why, you know, whatever else won't work on that person's laptop. So I didn't even stop to think about it. That is a, godsend for any people that are doing training or workshops absolutely the the other thing i think worth mentioning is you were asking about the the craziest configuration we've seen i think one one thing we recently worked with is is a company that does microcontroller development and they were saying that setting up an environment for for them is is a matter of weeks to get all the compilers in place and and get everything properly set up and they now use um Gitpod to you know automate the process and they can get people onboarded again with a single click. That that was pretty mind blowing to be because everything is actually in a browser in a cloud and they managed to somehow hook that up to their to their hardware connected to the laptop. The other thing that uh, we're working on or that's already live is um, if you're a developer that works on a framework, let's say like the example I have is Redwood JS in the in the React community. You need the framework when you work on that, you want to test your framework changes in an actual application somewhere, right? So what we did with, with Redwood is we can now spin up a Gitpod environment that has two directories at the top level. One is the framework and the other one is a demo application that is symlinked to the framework. So you go to framework, you make any changes and you see these changes, you can test them in the application in real time. That really you know, reduces the time to set up and symlink and run a bunch of you know shell scripts and whatnot, again down to a single click. And you know the, the team behind that is extremely you know happy having that and, and simplifying that for any contributor that that wants to help with the frameworks. That's really exciting. No, that is really cool. Um, again, people I think maybe come to hearing this having experienced any of the type of web-based editors that are out there that, that first became famous, Code Sandboxes or Stack Blitz or GitHub 1S or whatever it is that you used that you've encountered this before. And I think it's tough for people to get over what they expect from a tool like that to realize that there could be more things behind it. Um, so I guess maybe to sort of pivot slightly from that, one of my questions was, 
ask this somewhat selfishly again for the team that I'm working on now, but does Gitpod currently, or are there plans to allow people to run um, via their their containers or their workspaces, what would be considered strictly in like a Windows environment or an Apple environment? We unfortunately live in a world where there are still some technologies that those walled ecosystems have determined must execute on on certain hardwares. Uh, you know, kind of what is the terminal and what options do people have, if any, to, to break out of maybe a standard Unix terminal for their setup? Yeah, so Gitpod's uh, development environment, so the, the terminals, they're you're using a, uh, a standard uh, Linux-based uh, Linux distribution. Um, you specify and provide us with a Docker file, optionally, uh, and then you can choose the flavor of Linux. Uh, currently, there is uh, no Gitpod uh, variant or flavor for Windows. Uh, it would be really cool. Uh, likewise, there is currently no Gitpod variant or flavor for Mac OS. So I'm an old school mobile developer. I understand the pain of setting up developer environments with mobile. It is real. Um, and I, I personally believe there hasn't been enough innovation in this space. So some way down, and this is the beginning of a long journey, I would love to actually see Gitpod being able to offer different variants and flavors for different operating systems for where the scenarios where uh, you, your tool chain is tied to a particular implementation. Um, in uh, behind the scenes, Gitpod is essentially, uh, it's a play on words. It's a play on words. Uh, Gitpod is a Kubernetes pod. Right. When you connect to a workspace, it's actually a Kubernetes pod. We pre-create Kubernetes pods. We run our own scheduler. And that's why our workspaces start up so fast, because we create these pre-create these workspaces or these pods. And when you go to open in Gitpod, the end result is we change the ownership to you. And then we scale out uh, by the typical uh, dynamics of Kubernetes. Now, there's some really cool things in the Kubernetes land, Kubert. Uh, which allow things like virtual machines and other things. So like it's a rapidly growing area. And personally, I would love to see uh, support for more platforms because I understand the world is not just Linux. But having said that, um, what device you use to do software development, as long as your tool chain runs on Linux and especially at least in the open source community and the typical open source tool stack, uh, that is the norm and what they ask for. So it really turns into this scenario where you pick the device that has 4G connectivity because I'm traveling on the road all the time. That's an iPad for me. And uh, you pick the right keyboard that you like where you can plug any keyboard into an iPad. And uh, from there, everything else doesn't matter anymore. So you focus on what makes you feel comfortable and everything else is cloud-based development. Yeah, I think while uh, Windows and, and Mac is still a little further down on the roadmap, one thing that has started to come up is uh, GPU, GPU support for you know machine learning and, and that kind of stuff where you do need a bit more power. And one thing that we haven't talked about yet is that Gitpod is also self-hostable. Is that a word? <laughs> you, you can you can self-host it. And and with that then you can define what your what your pods look like. And if, if you need GPU support there, then you get that that flexibility to tweak things and play with it. And you know, run that behind firewall if, if you need to and, and hooked up to your own self-hosted GitLab instance or wherever you have your source code. So there is, um, it's a whole different world that, that opens up to, uh, 
to customize Skidpod to, to the way you want it to be. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. Um, it's such a key differentiator. So Gitpod is one, a company. Two, it's actually an open source project. Uh, we're an open core uh, uh, company and open, open core um, open source project. And like, uh, if you come across something that's got a paper cut, um, either Mike or myself, we're going to be there to help, help fix it. But like the source code's there. Uh, if you want to send in a pull request to fix your paper cut, like that is something that we totally encourage. But not only that, it's, it's self-hostable. You can run it on your own infrastructure. So no matter what your requirements are, well, you can run it on your own infrastructure. So very much like GitLab in that way. Uh, so you, you, you are not, are not locked in, to, in, your, in how you can use the product and how you host it. Very cool. So we talked around around it a little bit, and I, I, maybe some people are, have a pretty good perspective of what it's like to be in one of these workspaces. But I was wondering if we could talk about it a little bit more, because again, I think some people have used some of these tools that integrate with VS Code, and VS Code itself has a lot of features in it that connect with like Git integration and you know even terminal integration. So sometimes it's kind of confusing where VS Code ends and where the rest of the environment uh, begins. Could you? kind of describe a little bit about what it's like in the terminal. Like if you have Git integration, I mean, can you, and, and you don't want to have to do it through VS code, I'm assuming you could probably just do it entirely through the Git commands, you know, or if, you know, if you connect your configs so that you pull in other CLIs that you might use a lot, uh, command line interfaces, or you have a proprietary tool chain that you install potentially through that, you know, through, if it's available, I guess, to be installed in one of these things, like, what is it like? working in that terminal? What does it feel like? How does, what is the interaction mode? Like it doesn't all have to happen through VS code is what I'm assuming basically. Like, do you, can you minimize it to a desktop? Like what does that kind of feel like for people that are thinking about it? Sure. Um, so the way to look at it is essentially uh, Gitpod does not need to be running in a, in a browser tab. Uh, there are, uh, there are, uh, ways to open Gitpod into Visual Studio or VS Code on a local desktop. We've got a private beta going where you can open the, the workstation, um, the workstop into uh, JetBrains. Uh, we've been working with the open source maintainers of Emacs LSP uh, and that pops up Emacs uh, using GTK Broadway uh, and you can just minimize VS Code and you're just using it like a normal, like a normal computer. It, it, for all intents and purposes, if you supply a Docker file, uh, you can have any software you want pre-installed because you define the steps of installation in the Docker file. Otherwise, it's just a normal terminal uh, where you can run your typical sudo app get install, what else have you. Uh, and the main principal difference is, uh, whilst it's, uh, it doesn't have to be in a browser tab, that's how I use it on an iPad because that's all you really can do on an iPad is browser tabs. Uh, it's a new computer in every browser tab. Like, and each computer is just completely isolated from each other and you can do whatever you like in that. And if you do something wrong, you just close the browser tab and then you just happy little mistakes and accidents disappear. And in terms of the uh, commands, you, you were kind of hinting at, can I use my own Git commands because I'm faster or more comfortable? Um, so when, when you start 
a Gitpod workspace, it, it does look like VS Code if you use the default settings. But as Jeff said, use any other editor that, that we support. And then what you do is that you have your terminal uh, that you can open through the VS Code, you know, like menu, terminal, new, whatever. I think that's what it's called. So you open that up. And then in there, you, you do whatever you would do in your local terminal. Uh, if you don't, like if you want to start a database, um, by all means do that. I'm, I'm working on a, a full stack video course at the moment to teach really end-to-end full stack development. And that all happens in Gitpod. And I'll, I'll explain how, you know, you configure the database to start up and how you seed the database before the uh, workspace even starts. So that all happens. You don't have to wait for any of that. And the commands you run, if you want to, you know, log into your MySQL database, you install the MySQL CLI and you're good to go. So whatever you want to, you know, bring, bring your own tools, uh, either in a Docker container or, or bidding it up or installing it at the beginning of the workspace. We've been lucky enough to have some conversations with people that are doing like terminal integrations. Uh, Fig was one such example in a recent podcast. Um, so for tools that might have a visual component, I'm guessing maybe the answer is as long as it integrates with the VS Code terminal, it's okay. But what are the limitations and what is the state of play of of user interface tooling in these Git pods? Sure. Um, so uh, one of the, one of the well, what is possible really? Um, currently, Gitpod is uh, running on Google Google Kubernetes engine. Very very soon, we're we're so close of moving off Google's Kubernetes engine into things like uh, Google's uh, GKE. Um, once we get access to GKE, that means we've got access to virtualization bits, CPU virtualization bits. And once we've got access to CPU virtualization bits, uh, we can run uh, virtual machines with acceleration. Um, and to answer the team, what is possible? Well, it is literally the same experience that you're doing locally like uh, on your local laptop. Uh, This path where we're going is you can run an Android emulator, right? And the Android emulator is running an X11 session in your browser tab. And then uh, there's, uh, you run a a web-based VNC viewer over the X11 session. And essentially, uh, if you remove all the layers, all the different layers and how they all work together, uh, you've basically got the Android emulator running in your browser uh, and you can do Android development and other such things. So if you wanted to do GTK development or anything to do with um, X11 currently for any type of graphical development stack, it's possible right now. Uh, instead of using uh, the default image, you just say we want the default image with the variant of an X11 desktop. Uh, and then we provide a, uh, a VNC uh, web-based VNC session, and you just do as you normally do. I think given, given that we are on the Modern Web podcast, one one really good example, uh, you may be familiar with Cypress as a as an end-to-end testing tool or even component testing tool. So when you, when you start Cypress on your local computer, you get that UI, right, where you can see your tests on one side and, and the um, application on the right to, to write the tests. Now, Generally, that doesn't. You can run it in a terminal, but that doesn't help you much when you um, when you build the tests. So what you can do, as Jeff mentioned, we have the the UI available where you can spin up the Cypress uh, UI in a separate tab, 
and then you know click there and, and build your tests and, and look at the output and switch back to the Gitpod uh, browser tab to then basically run the tests and, and edit it. So yeah, you get you get that full UI that you get on your local computer through a browser tab and, and run stuff like Cypress to to edit and write your tests. That's awesome. Yeah. So there are some ways, yeah, to get kind of get in and out of it. That's really cool. Um, Y'all had talked a little bit about the offline support, but primarily through the guys of saying that you could run it through your local VS Code instance. Um, but I was really curious about what offline or out of the cloud looks like. I don't know if there's an ability to 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 download a pod for some period of time and, and run it locally in case you were to lose connectivity or be in a you know in a location that has spotty connection or for people we're coming up on Christmas so for anybody for whom Santa Claus is coming to visit with a brand new M1 or something like that and they were really looking to see what that might do in their in their prefabbed Git pod environment like it, it, is is that something that's going to be uh, possible? Is that something that is possible? Uh, you know, how do because I mean, one of its strength is that it isolates it 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 flattens the developer experience, right? Your hardware doesn't really matter necessarily. Um, we're streaming this on Streamyard. It's one of the great advantages of that software as well is that it doesn't rely on having a beefy streaming computer in order to be able to do it. That said, it's sort of interesting on the other side, right? If you did have that, are there ways to leverage your hardware to improve performance of, of these pods or how, you know, how does that work? Sure. So uh, Gitpod um, and these developer environments we keep talking about is essentially a Docker file, right? So if you've gone through the steps to set up how uh, to run uh, run your run your developer environment with Gitpod. The end result is you got a Docker file, right? And then you can just open that Docker file locally on VS Code and just do development as you normally would, right? So it, it's very much we want it to be like it, it, very light touch in that regard. Like, and so if you want to run it locally, uh, you can. Uh, we've got. Uh, the ability, if you've got a, an active uh, workspace, to actually download that workspace. Um, we're playing with prototypes of uh, how to uh, bring a workspace and connect that, uh, like the contents, and bring that and running that locally because essentially a workspace is Docker, right? And it's, it is uh, essentially so. There's, there should be no reason why they there should not be a transportability of a, a running workspace between something that's running in the cloud to your local machine. Uh, whether how seamless that is to the point of like getting to the point where it's just instant snapshots backwards and forwards, that's a really exciting thing that could be explored in the future. Uh, but for internet, uh, people always ask me, how do you like how do you do software development from a van? Uh, the answer is I have a lot of even different internet links. And it turns out uh, I don't need a lot of bandwidth. I actually need a lot less bandwidth than I would do if I was developing locally. What matters is uh, low latency, low packet loss. So uh, as long as I have a low latency, low packet loss, like I've been in places where I've been on edge network connectivity in the middle of the forest, it doesn't matter because like everything is all happening in a Google data center. The end result is essentially it's a thin client. Uh, I, 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 there's often times when I need to, like I just create a Git pod, not just for software development, but because I need to do some sysadmin tasks 
I just create a uh, new Git pod and it essentially gives me a Linux terminal in the sky and it's all running in a Google data center. And I have like 10 gigabit based workspace and, and I'm on a, a 2G internet connection next to a beach. Uh, yeah, so people ask about internet connectivity and the requirements of, uh, yeah, you can run it locally, Docker file. Um, uh, if you, otherwise, uh, yeah, you just need edge network connectivity. I think one, one practical advice I have for, um, you know, running it locally is that whatever you put in the Git YAML file, uh, you can write just bash commands in there, like npm install, npm, whatever you do, or um, if you do Java compilation or whatever. But if you extract that into a shell script, then all you really need to do when you want to move that stuff locally is just execute the shell script in the right order, or even just make one that calls them in the right order. So you can then, you know, spin up that Docker container that would be the base in your Git pod, run the shell scripts, and you basically get the same as you would get with the Git pod YAML that runs in the cloud. What you don't get is the feature that we call pre-builds. So pre-builds is something where whenever you push code to your GitHub repository or your Bitbucket or GitLab, uh, GitPod gets notified of that change and automatically builds your environment so that by the time you're ready to start a workspace, dependencies are already installed, code is compiled, the database is configured, it is seeded and all that. So you don't have to wait for any of that. So that's a really um, massive time saver when you have something like a Java project that needs to download Maven or Java files from Maven and, and compile things and you know do database work. That That is something that you wouldn't get locally, of course, but again, you would just wait a bit longer to set this up and make sure you're good to go. So I have really become interested now thinking about alternative ways to, to use these. Uh, you know, again, I, it's funny that we mentioned Cypress because I had an a, a, a opportunity to interview uh, Gleb Botmatov from, from, from Cypress, and he was going over all these sort of counterintuitive and unusual use cases for Cypress that weren't just for doing visual end-to-end -end testing. And so it sounds like y'all have already mentioned a couple of interesting examples and I'm, I'm curious because as developer advocates, I'm sure you get to have some of the most fascinating conversations as far as the most unusual and counterintuitive use of a Git pod by a team that you've seen yet. Because I mean, as developers, we know, even when we're not developing something like Git pod, users will always find ways to use our software that we never anticipated, but that delivers them value. So I'm sure people have already found ways to use your platform that are way beyond just development or anything else. I was trying to puzzle in my brain whether there was, I, I'm a big gaming fan. I didn't, I sometimes follow a lot of the speed running community and there's so much there about having the same environments and being in the same setup. And I was like, wow, like maybe there's a future with that, with people when they want to run a certain game, they get the Git pod for that game and then they can you know, go off on it. But what are some of the most unusual versions of this that, you know, any stories that you guys can share as far as uh, people that are teams that have surprised you so far? Sure. Um, if you, come up with an idea like a harebrained idea and something that's just like if you think it's really cool get in contact with us because we want to speak with you uh myself personally i have uh yes doom runs on runs in gitpod on an ipad perfectly fine uh via WebAssembly. uh if you go to github gitpod.io and search doom for a template you'll come across uh doom in WebAssembly, and you can play that on any device uh other harebrained things uh, come up with is I've got a repository that recursively deletes all files in the file system of Gitpod. 
So typically the idea of RM minus RF is a dangerous command. Never run that locally. I did that 25 years ago. Um, and that was my point about how dangerous uh, software development without sandboxes. You run this you run this repository, it just deletes everything and shuts down immediately. Like if you come up with an uh, ingenious way to demonstrate Gitpod in, in a unique way that that's, helps with people understand these benefits, please um, get in contact. Um, because these stories and narratives are very powerful. Yeah, he already touched on my favorite, which is running Doom. So <laughs> not, nothing to add there. Well, very cool. I mean, that is one of the things that we enjoy celebrating on this podcast is all of the unusual and cool ways to use technologies. Um, well, great. Well, you know, we are... Uh, coming down to it a little bit, I guess I'm curious if there was anything coming up on, um, you know, the next six months when we're looking forward to 2022, right? Hope springs eternal uh, for everybody here looking forward to the new year. Hopefully things start to turn around perhaps a little bit, but uh, for Gitpod, you know, what is coming down the pipe? What has you both excited about, uh, excited for 2022 as far as, I don't know if it's new features, new capabilities, if it's just getting more users, well, you know, what is, uh, what, you know, what, what are you most excited about that people can uh, get excited about as well? Sure. So um, if you go to uh, gitpod.io slash roadmap, um, that will redirect to the, uh, to the roadmap of Gitpod. So that's just hosted on GitHub. So uh, github.com slash github hyphen IO slash roadmap is the long link that expands to. And that's our roadmap. So what am I excited about? <sighs> So many things. Um, in particular, um, I'm. We've just gone through uh, the process of signing up for a Apple uh, developer account for Gitpod, a, a corporate developer account, and I'm hacking on a uh, a, a mobile application for Gitpod. Um, something out of hours because I'm on an iPad. I'm just kind of fixing my own pain points, and we're. we're building a, a community of other mobile developers uh, who want to also uh, do move their soft development over to an iPad. Um, so building out an application and just seeing where that goes and with the community and just building it out in the open. Um, and that's something uh, Mike's been doing with community. He's been having weekly catch-ups with the community and you building stuff out in the open and just teaching him. Uh, last, what was the last thing that you did, Mike? It was... Uh, Select kit with on Monday. Yeah, uh, we did. Uh, we added a block to uh, swell, uh, swell kit application. So, the kit put a website, the marketing website is a swell kit application, and we added a blog post an RSS feed to our blogs. So, that was that was interesting. Um, I, I think in, in my case, there's two things that I really look forward to. One is a bit more short term that's um, releasing that full stack video course that I talked about. So, it's hours and hours of everything from starting with a new Git report to managing your application in production with a database and everything. And then the second thing is early next year, uh, you know, fingers crossed, but it's the, it's called image layers where we kind of rethink how we, um, how you build your base image. So we're going to give you a lot more flexibility and make this easier uh, to uh, create your underlying developer environment. And then also helps us on this side to uh, cache things to further speed up the, already pretty quick uh, startup time for workspaces. So definitely looking forward to that and being able to talk about and demo this 
to to everybody. Great. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just say to people, it really is as easy to set one of these up as it does sound. I was trying it uh, a little bit before the podcast kicked off, going to a couple random uh, GitHub repositories and uh, opening them up and, and sort of poking around a little bit. So definitely give it a try. Uh, let's see if I can remember it again. Do uh, you guys want to remind them exactly what they have to do? I think it's just gitpod.io slash and then the hash sign and then the rest of it, right? Correct. Uh, That's it, yes. You can do that on your repo or on an issue or a pull request. Depending on where you do it, Git put is smart enough to do certain things automatically for you, such as creating a branch if you're doing from an issue or giving you a pull request preview and review section in the uh, in the pull request. So you can comment right within Git pod and you know, review the code. And, and that shorthand works, uh, you mentioned, for both GitHub, GitLab, and, and Bitbucket as well? That's correct, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I know a lot of teams that are using those and sometimes they feel a little left out when it's not just GitHub. They're like, we're not on GitHub though. So it's it's good that those teams are, are looked out for as well. Well, great. Is there anything else that you guys want to shout out for people that have been inspired by this podcast? Uh, you know, places where they can find you, places where they can get, um, obviously they can find the, the website for the company, but any other places that they should get plugged in to, to learn about more or to start uh, messing around with things? Sure. Um... The first one is uh, either use the browser extension or the browser bookmark that will automate uh, the the appending prepending uh, the Gitpod IO uh, hashtag um, and that provides a button in uh, GitHub to automatically open a pull request or a repository in in Gitpod. Uh, with GitLab, it's built into the product by default. There's an opening Gitpod, so you don't need the extension. Uh, really, come hang out with us in Discord, uh, gitpod.io slash chat. You'll see uh, Mike there. You'll see myself, Jeff here. Uh, that's probably the, the tips I've got. Um, Mike, yourself? No, I think I think the chat is is, a, is the biggest one. We're we're all there. Uh, the community helps each other, so it's it's really um, growing beyond what what we imagined. So it's it's exciting to see a lot of people helping out, having the knowledge. And, and the in-depth knowledge as well about Gitpod to jump in and, and help. So definitely come hang out there, ask your questions. And if something uh, is there that you would like to, you know, would like us to develop, open an issue on, Gitpod, on GitHub, we are open source. So uh, best way to get things going. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. On the documentation, at the bottom of the documentation, there's feedback widgets, right? If you see something that doesn't make sense or it's not intuitive, like that's me and Mike. We're and we're at the bottom of this. The, the, every time you, you use that feedback widget and you provide actionable and meaningful feedback there, and like it's it's good, it's bad. I I, I need some help with this. Uh, that all goes into a spreadsheet, um, and Mike's open source that. So if anyone's in a Devrel uh, Devrel capacity at their company and they they're looking to get like this product improvement feedback loop going, uh, come find Mike in Discord. Uh, it's all open source, but that's how we, we drive a lot of the improvement of our, of our product is through that feedback widget. So if you're experiencing problems or something's not clear, please use the feedback widget because it all goes to the spreadsheet. It's reviewed once a week and we go through and proactively go through there, but it also hooks into Slack. So like anytime it's used, we get the entire product team just diving in there and looking at how we can make the, make the improvements immediately. 
Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, and it goes without saying, I mean, with having a team that's as interested as, as you all are, that if you're sitting here listening to this and saying, you know, those benefits sound really good, but I just have no idea how convoluted ours is or how labyrinthine or how enterprise or how complicated our developer environment is. There's no way this would work. I'm sure these guys would love to hear from you and they would love to find a way to get it to work out. So definitely, if you think uh, it could never work for you. Sure, reach out to these guys, and they will they will get you uh, hooked up. I'm I'm sure of that. All right. Well, that is it for us today. Thank you, everybody, for listening for this modern web podcast on development in the cloud, uh, development in the workspaces with Gitpod. Thank you to our guests, uh, Jeff and Mike. As always, the conversation does not stop here. You can find Jeff on Twitter at. Uh, it's going to sound like. Joffrey Huntley, but it's not uh, Jeffrey Huntley. So G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-H-U-N-T-L-E-Y. You can find Mike on Twitter at Mike Nicholas. It's uh, M-I-K-E-N-I-K-L-E-S. You can find me online at RoboCell. Uh, as for the podcast, you can find us online at moderndotweb.com or on Twitter at modernweb. As always, thank you as well to our sponsor, Harmon, and we will see you all next time. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. We're all of your friends and you.